Amen. 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 Uh, we're going to talk this morning about timeless testaments uh, and the story of Elisha uh, and the widow's oil. And I'm going to title this message, Living in the Overflow. Uh, living in the Overflow. Uh, but maybe today you have been in a place uh, of desperation or loneliness or affliction. Maybe, uh, you know, sometimes in life, even as Christians, it's a, hard, it's a hard thing. Even as Christians, we go through these moments that even though we're righteous, even though we're walking with God, that uh, David said in Psalms 34, that many are the afflictions of the righteous, that even us, we go through bad days, we have bad moments. And I was thinking about this week, you know those Monopoly cards are really hard to find. You know the ones that say, uh, go, to, go past go and collect $200? I need some of those cards in my life, right? Or let me, I looked at some more because I even forgot. It said, advance to go, collect $200. Or there's one of the cards you got in Monopoly that said, uh, hey, the bank pays you a dividend of $50. Don't you love those kind of cards in life where you just, I wasn't expecting that 50 bucks. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be awesome. Or, uh, but sometimes, here's what I feel like we get, right? We get the cards that say, advance token to the nearest railroad, railroad and pay owner twice the rental. That's more like real life right there. Or I look at this one. You've been elected chairman of the board, which you think is a great thing. Pay each player $50. It's like, well, i got this great honor, but then it costs me more money. Or some of us, hopefully, we don't get this card, go to directly to jail, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Hopefully, you haven't gotten that card lately. Uh, but in that life, there's good things and there's bad things, there's moments. But God is so good to those who will trust in him that even in our bad moments, even when those bad cards are dealt, he is still able to supply his people, his children, with the overflow to get through this life. As if walking with God, even in the hardest times, can be like walking in an overflow of goodness. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. Somebody say amen. amen. But maybe today you feel like you're losing Maybe today you feel like the world has been taking things from you. Maybe today that you feel like there is no one to help you. And we all go through that moment. So what do we do? We're going to talk this morning that if we will obey God's word with a full measure of faith, we can live on the overflow of his spirit. Amen. You ready this morning? Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. And uh, this is... a. Uh, I'm reading in the New American Standard this morning, but we're talking about Elisha and the widow's oil living in the overflow. And it says this. Now, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out to Elisha. She said, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. And then he said, go borrow vessels at large for yourself, for all, from all of your neighbors, even empty vessels. Do not get a few. And you shall go in and you'll shut the door behind you and your sons and pour out into all these vessels. And you shall set aside what is full. So she went from him. She shut the door behind her and her sons. And they were bringing her the vessels. And she poured. And the vessels were full. And she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not one vessel more. And the oil stopped. And she came and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Amen. Uh, 
I hadn't planned on preaching this message today. I asked my staff. We would, I had talked about another message in our meeting this, uh, this week as I was studying preparing. I just felt like God couldn't let me off of this. For maybe there's someone here today, this is for you, all right? Uh, but I'm going to talk to you. Let's just going to go through this kind of verse by verse a little bit. But uh, we're going to talk about coming to the Father. This woman was impoverished. She was destitute. She was uh, at a barren place, an empty place, and she had lack. She only had one vessel of oil, and that oil was used to heat her home, and that oil was used to cook her food, and some people would use it for even medicine. And she comes, and she's in poverty. And the law said that children could be taken from her uh, to pay off her debt. So she is literally about to lose her children. And even as a widow... Uh, In ancient times, she didn't have Social Security, she didn't have Medicare, she didn't have government housing. She was on her own alone. Death had taken her husband, life had taken her riches, and somebody was about to take her kids. That is a place of desperation. She felt isolated, alone, uh, like the whole world was out to get her. It even appears that not even family and friends could even loan her money. Uh, And so Jesus comes on the scene in Matthew, and he says, you know, there are people like that in spirit. There are times or there, are, there should be a place in man's heart where we get to this place who say, I realize that life on my own doesn't work, that without God, I feel destitute. I feel lonely. I feel like people are taking things away from me. And Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that's where we are all at today. Whether you have a physical need today or an emotional need or a physical or financial need or a spiritual need, we all stand before God at a place of desperation. Without God, we are headed to hell. There is no hope for our life. doesn't matter how many relationships you have, how much money you make. It will never be enough to satisfy the need for your soul. You'll never find true peace, true joy, true happiness. And she's in that place in a physical sense. It's gone. She's lonely without her husband. She's empty in the financial sense. And now she's about to lose the only thing left in her life, the thing that most matters to her, her children. You ever feel like in life your best isn't good enough? Maybe you have all these family and friends, and yet you still feel lonely. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So she's in her poverty, so she begins to pray. What does she do? She prays to God. And she, she's not just any woman. This isn't just a person who's been squandering her wealth. And maybe you, you get hit up by people sometimes that they need money, and you know that they didn't do well with it. This isn't a person like that. This person has been righteous. In fact, it says that her husband was a prophet. And they had a righteous life, and they did what God called them to do. In the day of apostasy, when everyone is falling away from God, these people have been reading their Bible. They've been praying. They've been going to church like we would today. They've been uh, doing right. They've been giving to the poor themselves. But yet, sometimes the righteous living is not a luxurious living. And so even in living righteously, they found themselves poor. So her husband dies. He doesn't have much money. They've been a prophet. There's not much money in profiting. Uh, there's no profit in profiting, right? Uh, there's, there's nothing they have left. And they're, they, they're empty. And so what does she do? She begins to cry out to God. She's no doubt praying. And she turns to a man named Elisha. Who is Elisha? He is the prophet of Israel. He has taken on the mantle of Elijah. And he's there. And why does she turn to Elisha? Elisha was the father of the prophets. There's multiple bands of prophets, multiple groups of prophets in every town. And Elisha is the, kind of the head, the father figure. So in a sense, what is she doing? 
she turns in her desperation and she turns to her father. Don't you know that you and I have a good father who's in heaven? He is a good, good father, like the song that we sing. And she begins to turn to her father. She's got an intimate relationship with him. And she begins to cry out her need to him. And, you know, in this life, we can't demand God's blessings if we're not living according to God's standards. Uh, you know, she didn't come to him uh, just try to get a, get a handout or, or go squander it. She hadn't been unholy with her life, but she came as a child in a relationship to a father. And we can't just come to God and say, God, I want your blessings. I want your very best, even though I've squandered my whole life and done what I want to do. Yes, God's a merciful God. But he looks to this person. She, he sees her righteousness. He sees that her heart is broken and destitute. She wasn't going to just continue to live like she wanted to live and do like she wanted to do. Even like that son of the, pro- the prodigal son, he had a heart change. His life was to say, I know I've done bad things, but my life is now turning to you. I'm desperate. I'm destitute. I want your way for my life. And she comes to her father and saying, I want your way. I want to do what you want me to do. I'm here. I'm hungry. I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. And I know that your words are the only words that will help me. That's the place where God begins to answer his prayer in our life. It's only at that moment when we say, Lord, I, I cannot make it on my own. My way does not work the way I've gone through life. And maybe it's not even your fault, but things have come afflicted on you. Things have been taken from you. And she cries out to her father. Psalms 34 verse 17 says, The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. It goes on and says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all that even the righteous he says there's going to be no want psalm 34 says that the righteous will have no want of any good thing the righteous have no want of any good thing but many are the afflictions of the righteous that doesn't even sound like it should work in the same sentence right but many are the afflictions but the righteous will not have want of any good thing what does he say a few verses back he says taste and see that the lord The Lord is good. You'll have no want of any good thing. What is good? But the Lord. He says to her, uh, he's saying to her in this moment that God is the good father. He's going to provide your goodness. He's going to provide all this. If you'll continue to have faith in his word, and if you can trust in God for the security of your soul, you can trust in God for the certainty of your supply. We can trust in God for the security of our souls. We can trust in God for the certainty of our supply. I'm going to talk to you about this story today. And on one sense, this story is very physical. It's very natural. It's that there's a woman who's got need, and God is about to meet that need physically. But in the same sense, it's talking spiritually to you and to I today, that there is a need that we all have. And if we can come to God, our Father, He's going to meet our need. So let's talk about this for a moment. Uh, Let's look at this verse. She began to obey the word by faith. So Elijah speaks, and it says the word came to her, that Elijah, the word of God, came through Elisha, excuse me, and began to speak to her. And the Bible says that you and I have also had a word, that the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us, that Jesus Christ is the word. And he became flesh, and he began to speak to us through his living word, his written word, the Bible, but also through his spiritual word, through the Holy Spirit. And so the word has come. And then what does it say? It says, give what you have. So she's got nothing left. And in fact, she probably has something about like this right here on our stage. We've got this little anointing uh, vessel. And she's got this little vessel of olive oil. And that's what's in this vessel today. A little vessel of pure olive oil for cooking and uh, burning fuel and, and keeping her house lit. And it's valuable. It's kind of like what we would call our gasoline today, our fuel today. 
And so she has this and she says, he says, give what you have, all that you have left, all that you can muster. You know, there was a moment in Moses's life when Moses was a shepherd and he'd been running from the Lord and all he had in his hand when he met God in the presence of God, he had a staff. And God said, Moses, what's in your hand? And he said, a staff. And he says, throw it down or lay it down. What happened? God began to use that staff, and God will use that staff to deliver Israel. In the same way, God says, woman, what do you have? He says, she says, a vessel of oil. And he says, okay, I'm going to use that vessel of oil. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So he says, give what you have. You know, sometimes in this life, out of fear, out of control, we don't always lay everything down. It's as if, it's like, well, God, I have this, but I really need to make sure if you don't meet my need, I'm going to hang on to this right here. I've got this little backup plan, and maybe, maybe I'll just get another vessel, and Lord, you can have this vessel, but I'm going to pour a little bit of oil right here into this one, and I'm going to save this one for a rainy day. God, if, if you don't work out, I also have this job application at this other facility that might work, and, and Lord, uh, if this relationship don't work out, I can always go back to that one that I had. Lord, and if, if this thing doesn't work out, if, if that prayer doesn't get answered, Lord, I've got, I've got my shelf. And I'm going to keep that backup plan right there. But here you go, Lord. Here's this vessel of oil. And he says, give what you have. You've got talents. You've got abilities. You've got time. You've got things in your life. And if, have we laid it all down? You can be desperate for a prayer to be answered. But maybe it's that fear and that lack of faith. That we're really at that place to say, Lord, I don't. She had to get to a moment where she said, Lord, I am powerless without you. And if we could get to that place today where we realize that no matter how much we do, how much effort we try, how much things we try to get ahead in life, how many relationships we try on, how much money we try to make, how many people we surround ourselves with to build ourselves up, how much you can go to church, how much things you can have in this world and be liked in this world. He says, give it all and lay it all down, all your power, all your ability. But I think sometimes in my life I have to wonder, Heath, am I honest with myself? Am I honest with myself of my true powerlessness that that vessel of oil cannot meet my needs? Heath Harris cannot meet his needs. You know, like God, I'm a person. I have talents and abilities. I have a personality. But in myself, I'm not self-sufficient. You know that? God made relationships that I need to have. God made money that I need to have to have a roof over my head. And there's things I go through. I feel uh, accomplishment when I do a good job. We have work, and it kind of helps us. There are things you're going to go through in this life, and even you alone, if I could put you on a desert island alone with no stress, no anxiety, you still would not be enough for a true happiness, for true peace, for true supply, and ultimately life eternal. So he laid it, she laid it all down. Whether it's a staff, a vessel of oil, whether it's your two mites, whether it's your career, your family, your finances, your hobbies, give it all to God. And then so the word came, she gave what she had, and it says, Then he said, do what I say. So on faith alone, with no evidence at all that this scheme would work, she began to do what the word of God said through Elisha. She began to do what it said. She began to collect. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. Why? Because faith produces something. It's not that you get works to go to heaven or do good things to go to heaven. But if I believe the word of God enough that he says, go out and begin to collect empty vessels then you're going to have to go into your room and shut the door and begin to pour it out. Okay, do you believe it enough to do it? 
How do we respond to the gospel? You know, we can't expect to do nothing after we've heard the word of God. Jesus said it this way. He said, if you continue or if you obey my word, you will truly be my disciples. Peter says it this way. He says, the truth of God is this, that when you, when you obey the truth of God, and you will automatically leave former lusts. He goes on, he says, when you obey the truth of God, it will purify your soul, and then you'll begin to love others. That there's something about responding to the word of God that will begin to change your condition. We'll cry out to God, Lord, help me, help me, help me, fill me, fill me, fill me. And then he says, well, what have you done with my word? How have you taken it in? How have you believed it enough that by faith your life will begin to do something? You'll say, okay, I believe that, God. I'm collecting things. I'm, I'm doing what it said, Lord. I'm doing as much as I can. I'm carrying uh, and doing and being obedient. And I look at my life and I think, Heath, have I been a good student of the word of God? That there are things in scripture that I know to do, but I do not do them. Are there areas in my life that I could say those are areas of disobedience? That I've, you know, I've got enough. I've read my Bible enough. I pray enough. I go to church enough. I'm pretty good. I got enough that I can carry right now. If I got any more, Lord, it might be a little laborsome. Might be a little radical. Might pray too much. Might be one of those weird Christians. I don't think you can give that much, God, and still go through life. I think there's got to be a balance in your Christianity, right, Lord? That, you know, you said 10%. I'm doing pretty good. I'm at 9.5. Pretty good, God. I got enough. Am, am I not doing what I'm supposed to do, God? And I look over there, and there is all these vessels in my life, all these opportunities that God says, Heath, have you turned the other cheek? Heath, maybe there's a vessel you haven't really forgiven that person. Heath, maybe there's some opportunities of ministry I really wanted you to go in, but you won't lay everything down. You haven't been obedient to carry everything that I've talked, talked to you to take into the inner place, into the inner room. And so I've been thinking this week, Lord, what areas in my life could I say are disobedient? How have I let television to come in fact uh, with my prayer life or my devotional time? Can I take it to the next level? Can I pray more? Can I study more? Can I witness more? Can I be more bold? Can I, can I uh, be more intense in this relationship with God? Can, are there areas of uh, this word of God that yet have to speak to my soul to say, yes, by faith, I'm going to read it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to do it. And she began to do just that. She heard the word of God and she did what it said with zealousness. She wasn't careless in her response to the word of God. What areas could you say today that you're disobeying God's word? And then so he, the word of God has come. She's cried out to her father and she begins to obey the word of God by faith. That's very key. We're going to talk about it some more. And then what does it happen? She says she shut up in her house. She shut up in her room. And she and her sons collected it all. And by faith, they obeyed what they heard. And they knew of God's word. They, they knew it. They heard it. They obeyed it. They began to collect it. And they began to come into their inner place, in an inner room. They shut the doors in secret. And, you know, Jesus says that we're to go into our secret place. We're to, when you pray, go in your inner room, close your door, pray to your father in secret. Your father sees what's done in secret, will reward you. I think... It's those secret moments, those secret places with God that our true miracles of our life really begin to happen. When I was uh, challenged as a uh, young man, as a teenager, 18, 19 years old, that my campus pastor challenged me to pray with them. They were in a small group. We began to meet on campus, and 
uh, just a bunch of young guys, and we had our addictions, we had our issues, we had our uh, relationships that weren't healthy, and we had our school and our dreams and our ambitions. He says, guys, I want to challenge you. Pray 30 minutes a day with me. Pray 30 minutes a day with me. We're going to try to take it up to an hour. An hour a day, I'm thinking, I've never prayed more than five minutes in my life. How in the world am I going to pray an hour a day? But it was a challenge, and I was going to take a challenge, and so we did it. We began to carve out time 30 minutes in the morning against 30 minutes at night. We began to do different things. I began to go between my classes on campus, find this little chapel that we have, and, and go pray there. God did more in those moments of secret prayer than I could ever tell you. You can ask my parents, you can ask my now wife, who was my girlfriend then, that my personality completely changed. It flipped upside down from a very shy, inward, backwards uh, person, very sarcastic and cynical, that God began to create a new personality in me, forming me to what he wanted me to do in my life, the calling that he had for me. And it's the, those secret moments. We, we want the big miracles. We want the flash. We want the, the, big, the big bang that, that, that God would just show up and show out. But it's in those secret moments. She began to be obedient to the word of God by faith and began to meet God in that room. There was no Elijah or Elisha in that room. It was her, her boys, and God alone. And they began to have, I think for us, it'd be like having that prayer time as a family, that devotional time as a family. What happens behind closed doors, the fruit of it is going to begin to happen in the streets. And miracles are going to begin to happen because of an overflow with God in our personal life. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's the overflow of your personal life that God wants to begin to meet you there. How prayerful are we in our personal life? How are we in our Bible reading? How are we in our thought life, and our secret thoughts? How sanctified is our home? How sanctified is our family life, our TV watching, our internet surfing? Whew, those are the places. Oh, God, sanctify this. Oh, God, give me that. But what about your alone times? What if God's trying to meet you alone? Are we shut in with God? And then she moved on, and she had to begin to supply. She had supplied these empty vessels. What are these empty vessels? You know, I look at this story, and I think about how she, she had just this one vial of oil. And, and a, that's all she had. She, ha- she didn't even have empty vessels in the house, apparently. How poor is that? She didn't even have empty vessels. And her neighbors didn't have any oil to give, but they had some empty vessels to supply. And so she did the good work, and her sons did the good work to begin to supply those things. You know, I think about sometimes people, you know, even in the church, the church itself may come up short in helping you in your need. Oh, I have a financial need. Well, I can't help you with more oil, but I can help you with this vessel. Okay, well, I can give you, you know, this $5 here. Well, that's not going to get me to pay my $300 rent. But, okay, I'll take that $5. Or maybe there's a family member, and you need some emotional support, and that family member comes, and they give you this word, but it's empty. Okay, it was a word, but it didn't really have any heart in it. It didn't really make you feel better, but they said, hey, I'm thinking about you. That's really not the word you needed right then. You needed the more encouragement. You need someone just to come and just pour into you. But no one's really done that lately. Nobody's called you. Nobody's texting you. Nobody's caring for you. People will come up short. The church itself even will come up short. These bands of prophets. I think about where were these bands of prophets? All the people her husband had worked with and served with. How come they didn't pour oil into more vessels? How come they didn't donate more, te- more things in their life, more time, more, more ability? They came up short too. Her only place to turn to was her father. And he, she began to turn to him. And even though by faith she began to obey, she began to supply these empty vessels. What vessels can God fill in our lives? What work can we do to bring them 
Maybe I am bringing God some empty words. You know, somebody tried to help me, but it was kind of empty, God. There's really nothing in here. But, Lord, I'm going to bring this to you. I'm going I'm to try to, Lord, I'm going to do my part, my word. Maybe that, that, that financial gift that somebody really tried to give you, it's, you know, it was only in part of, Lord. But you know, Lord, there's a huge miracle I need in my life. The debt, the bills are racking up, all the things I know. Lord, and, you know, my parents were, were kind of there for me, but, God, it really didn't supply my full need you know, the, the, the ability to have a father and a mother and the, the things I went through as a childhood, Lord, it's just kind of empty. But I, I have my childhood I can bring to you, Lord. And we begin to do this by faith. She began to bring all the places she interacted with others, my work, my career, my hobbies. But, Lord, it's kind of empty. But, God, I can bring it to you. I can lay it down. And I can set it at your feet. In my secret time, Lord, I can just lay my personal life and my career goals and my children. Maybe I'm not the mom or dad I want to be. But, Lord, I, I have this relationship with my kids, and it's, it's kind of empty. And so, Lord, I'm going I'm to, by faith, I'm going to come to you in my secret time and lay it down. And in that moment, I love what one author says, that because she, by faith, believed God for the overflow... And by faith and all of her interactions with these people that had left her empty and feeling alone that this world was not enough, she by faith in the word of God would take it to him in her secret place. And in so doing, she became the best vessel of it all. He says this way, one commentator named McLaren, he says that she became a vessel of obedience. She began to obey God's word and she began to trust his supply and she became a vessel of not just obedience, but a vessel of expectancy. I can think of her like if we were to do this today, it would be like me coming up to my neighbors and say, Hey, can I borrow your gas can? Your empty gas can for you. You got an empty gas can in your, in your garage. Can I borrow your empty gas can? Well, what do you need it for? Well, God's going to fill it. She was expecting it. She began to really believe that God was going to do this. And, and he says, Don't get just a few. Get a bunch of empty vessels. So no doubt she began to send, you, you got 1st Street, now go to 2nd Street. No, 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 go to 3rd Street. Keep going. Fill this whole house. We, want to, we believe that God is going to meet our need according to His Word. And she began to do the work. You know, faith takes work. We can't just stand there and say, well, here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up. You know, we saw those old songs used to sing, right? Uh, Lord, fill, my, fill me, overflowing. Fill me, overflowing. Well, you got one vessel there, lady. What did I do? I just told you, go get a bunch. But Lord, fill me, fill me, fill me. But I haven't laid down my marriage. I haven't laid down my finances. I haven't laid down that relationship with my kids. I haven't laid down that relationship with my in-laws or my parents. I haven't laid down my career choices or my relationship choices. I haven't laid it all down. But by faith, she began to lay it all down. She began to, in expectancy for God to fill it. So she became a vessel of obedience. She became a vessel of expectancy. And then lastly, she became a vessel of desire. She desired God to move in her life. You know, you, may be, you shouldn't be surprised when you're praying for hope and love and joy. And you're going to get them when you pray for it. We shouldn't be surprised that when we lay things down, God's going to fill it. So she had this vessel of desire. One author says this way, he says, God can give us a great many things that we do not wish, but he cannot give us his best gift, that is himself, unless we desire him. 
God can give you a lot of things in this world, but he can never give you the best gift himself, Jesus Christ, unless you desire him. I want more finances. I want more hope. I want more peace. I want more love. I want more joy. I want more belonging. I want more identity. But unless you desire Jesus Christ, who is the source of life, you'll never receive him. So she supplied the what? Lord, fill my what? My what? My vessels, my empty vessels. And by doing so, she was the vessel of obedience. She became a vessel of expectancy, and she became a vessel of desire. Do we desire God to fill our marriages, our finances, our families, our jobs? Or do we have all that we think we want? She was desperate. God fills the hungry soul. He fills the thirsty soul. If you're satisfied, you don't need God, he'll leave you right where you are. You have as much of God right now as you want. That's kind of a scary thing, Heath Harris. I think about, I want more God. I want more of God. And she began to do this, and she laid down all of these areas in her life, and she took it by faith. Again, it's all by faith, by the way. She began to pour out of her vessel. And I can just imagine what a miracle that would have been. She just began to pour, and oh my gosh, didn't go anywhere. And she began to pour, and that began to fill up and a little trickle over the top, and she began to pour. And I can just see the excitement, no doubt, would begin to build. You're like, what in the world is going on? And she began to pour and to pour, and she goes and she begins to lay down all these vessels. She begins to pour more and pour more and pour more. And she began to realize the goodness of God is limitless that there is no end to his supply of goodness because he's a God who overflows. His mercies are new every morning. And I can think that her faith, what measure of faith she brought began to grow and to increase. And that oil of that Holy Spirit is the same way in your life. As you begin to pour out, God continues to pour in. And you know, every time the disciples begin to go out by faith, in the book of Acts, as they begin to go out by faith, the Bible says each time they were continually filled up. Every, th- every time they begin to do something God called them to do, you can say, and it says they were prayed and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They went out and they preached the gospel and they were prayed and they filled with the Holy Spirit. That every time they begin to act in faith and let God fill them, it just was more to be filled. You see, God is limitless. His mercies are new. His love is endless. He's a supernatural God. There's no into his measure of mercy. And only God can fill those empty places. But he didn't fill her until she obeyed in faith and began to pour out what she had. Each time that fresh oil flowed as she was obedient. In your life today, there is no shortage of God's spirit. There's just a shortage of vessels. So his measure of mercy was limitless. But there was a measure of faith in here too. So she called out to her father. She laid her vessels down at his feet. She began to supply the vessels. He had a limitless supply. His measure of mercy was poured out. But it was poured out according to her measure of faith. You see, there was a moment that the oil stopped. When was that? Look at the text. 
It says that she, in expectancy, had poured out so much oil, she's, this is going to go on forever. His mercy is new. It's forever. His spirit continues to pour, and she gets to the end. Give me another. There's not any more. And the oil stopped. Now, the Bible says this woman's faith was so great that when she sold all the oil in all these vessels and only paid off her debt, it put her in retirement for life, and her sons and herself were stocked up. They never needed again because that's how good God was. I want that kind of faith, right? And that's how many vessels she brought. But I think for me and you, you know what I do sometimes? Is I think, Lord, I just need about this. That's good. Yeah, that filling, that'll do. That'll get me through my week, God. I really don't have time to stay around church long enough and pray in the altars because I really got this thing to go to. And Lord, I'm really busy this week. But if you could just give me enough to get through, that'll look good on my mantle right there. Those three. I like those three. Those are good looking three. And, and Lord, we'll get to those sometimes later. Okay? Because right now, this is all I need. Lord, I'm really busy. I'm kind of crazy right now. Life's crazy. Kids are doing this. Got to go here. Got to go there. And Lord... That'll get me through my week. Thanks, God. Appreciate it. I'll take three, right? And, and that's what we do. But she wasn't that way. If, if, if that was the case by faith, she would have just went and said, hey, kid, go to the next door neighbor and get a couple. And then God would only fill the couple. But it was her measure of faith. You see, in that moment, her faith was as valuable as the oil. Because the oil was poured out according to her faith. You know, Jesus said repeatedly in the Gospels, as he began to do miracles, he says that miracles, they were done according to people's faith. Matthew 9. He would ask if whoever believed in who he was, whoever believed in what he could do. Remember, he's the word. Whoever believes in the word. He said each time it was done according to your faith. Daughter, you've been healed by your faith. He would say their faith had made them well. Because they believed in what the word of God said. Many times when Jesus began to heal, he'd tell them to go do something crazy, something radical. Go wash yourself so many times. Go, let me spit something in your eyes. Let me do these weird things. And, and don't tell anybody, just go do it. In the secrecy, go do it. By faith, do what the word of God says. And they were healed every time. They, God met their measure of faith. And I can look in our life, and, in my life, and say, Heath, has God filled me? To overflowing. And, and we could say yes or no. Or I wish you would fill me more. And then I look and I say. Well Heath what is your measure of faith? How much have I been obedient to the word of God. To provide the vessels. That he can fill. In my life. What's your measure of faith? It's never about the amount of oil. It's about the number of vessels. We always worry God if. He'll supply enough. But the real question is, can you bring enough for God to hold? I don't think you... The Bible says that the heavens can't even contain, that you and I couldn't even contain all that God wants to give. Paul says that even no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has up in heaven in store for you and me who love Him. And are called according to His purposes. We don't even understand all the goodness God wants to pour out in our life. And we're limiting Him. Because our faith is not being responsive and responding to the Word of God. Lord, how many vessels have I supplied for You to fill up? What's my measure of faith? 
Have I stopped providing vessels too early? It's never his promise that fails, only our faith, Matthew Henry said. And we give up on the hard work of giving everything to God. But if we stop giving, he will stop filling. God will fill the empty. I think about in our life, it's something like this. You have a marriage problem, and what happens if you don't fill that with God, what happens? You're probably going to have a lust problem. And you have a, a, a control problem with your future, and you don't know what you should do, and then you begin to control things, and control gets put in there instead of God's oil and God's Holy Spirit. Or you have an identity problem, and you don't know what you should do, and you begin to fill your life with all kinds of relationships, seeing what you can put into your identity and see what you can put into your purpose. And the real question is, is have you laid it down to God in your secret place and he can take that identity problem. He can take that marital relational problem. He can take that financial problem. We're, we're filled with debt. We don't know how to spend our money. We don't know what to do. Well, have you given your finances to God for him to fill them? Have you begun to give your identity, your marriage, your, your future, your control, your pride, your lust, all those things that sometimes if we don't use them, they get filled with other things? And in this same context, and Elisha meets another person. I don't know how many years later. He would meet another person, just to give us another example. In 2 Kings 13, he would meet Jehoash, king of Israel. He wouldn't be a good guy. And Elisha on his deathbed, this guy would be concerned that God would not give them victory when Elisha died. And so he tells the king of Israel, he says, take an arrow and shoot it out the window. And because you responded to that by faith, and he did, took an arrow, shot it out the window. He says, you've responded by faith. God's going to give you one victory over the Arameans. And so he says, well, take the arrows of that bow and begin to hit the ground. And so he hits it. One, two, three, and he stops. And Elisha looks to him and he says, because you only hit it three times, you should have hit it like five or six, but you only hit the ground three times because you had that size faith. God will only give you three more victories over the Arameans. But if you had hit it at least five or six times, you would have had complete victory. And Elijah would later die. Elisha would later die. I think it's the same way. It's the same illustration. God is speaking through the same passage. Sometimes we say, here's the word of God. And we respond once, twice, three times. We want God to fill that thing. We want God to give victory in that area. But he says, if you would have just kept on with faith, if you would just let your faith equal the measure that God's goodness is, if you would just keep on by faith, God would have given you victory. God would have filled that area of your life. God would have supplied all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Whatever measure you have of God now is the measure you and I have desired him. Can I say this? I have no more vessels left for God to fill. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Worship team, would you come? Can I say, I have no more vessels left for God to fill? Come to your Father with your needs. Lay down what you have. Obey the word of God by faith. Get shut in with God, and he will provide a measure of mercy according to your measure of faith. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. Where are you at in your obedience to God's word? You have a need today? 
your supply and life running low, your oil drying up, you feel like you can't make it on your own, you're in the perfect place for God to do a miracle in your life. You're in the perfect place for God to show up and show out. You're in the perfect place to live in the overflow of his goodness. But if you're here today and you say, I'm doing pretty good, Pastor Heath. I'm feeling like I'm a pretty good Christian. I'm glad there's at least a couple of you, man, because I feel like Heath Harris, Heath, you need to get some more vessels down on the altar. Heath Harris, you need to be more hungry for God. Heath Harris, you need to be more filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not satisfied, God, that I have given everything I could ever give and laid it all down and got shut in with God, got alone with God, and let Him fill me to the overflow. I'm desperate, church. I'm desperate for God to fill me more and more and more. I want to go in my closets. I want to, Beth and I had to go in the attic this morning and get these vessels out. I want to get into my attics of my heart. I want to get in the back of the closets in those secret places and open those drawers and find a vessel I've forgotten about years ago, a place that I haven't let God touch and let God fill, an area of faithlessness, an area of emptiness, an area of isolation where I've hidden it from even myself. And I'll say, God, come in my heart, get in my attic places, open up my doors, Lord, fill every place, oh God, you could ever possibly fill. Lord, and I want to get more vessels and more vessels and more vessels because, God, your mercy is new. Your riches are continual in Christ, oh God. You will fill us to overflowing. Happy and blessed are those who hungry and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. But we've got to realize, Lord, I lack I have faith, oh God, to lay it down. I want to do the work, oh God, to get every vessel, every relationship, every career, every job, every hobby, every skill, and lay it down. God, fill this area of my life.